The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's 11 minutes after 8. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live this morning. It's time now for the forum, but can I just say, please, please take it easy on the roads. Um, as Rob Byrne has re- been reporting all morning, there seems to be carnage on Joburg roads this morning because of the wet weather conditions. So take it easy, and if you haven't left yet, uh, perhaps try and leave earlier than you normally would. Um, and with that said, it's time to get on now with the business of the day. This morning, focusing on the Khoisan people. Now, the Human Rights Commission is currently investigating complaints by the Khoisan community. Uh, The community wants to be recognized as the first people in the constitution. They include the Nama, the Griqua, Korana and uh, those communities amongst others. And representatives have told the Human Rights Commission that they feel marginalized. They believe that they are being denied land ownership and basic services. They want their language and culture also to be recognized and preserved. The Commission is conducting public hearings across the country, which are expected to end in Uppington in the Northern Cape in April. So the Commission will then submit its findings and recommendations to Parliament. So on the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask why are the Khoisan people not recognized and more pertinently recognized as the first people of South Africa, as uh, our guest this morning, John van Royen, uh, will tell us about. But before we get to that, we have a package by Ditaba Tsotetsi, uh, who attended uh, the Human Rights Commission hearings. The Khoisan communities claim they have no access to land, including basic services. They approached the Human Rights Commission to air their grievances. However, Tamim Donza from Department of Rural Development and Land Reform says people who lost their land from June 1913 have just over three years left to lodge a claim with the department. Any person uh, or community that was disadvantaged because of our past laws can approach any of our offices uh, and ask for land. Um, Forms are filled and certain information is then required and an application is processed. We have seen since 1994 that um, just uh, more than 4 million hectares have been uh, redistributed. The Khoisan community has accused the government of attempting to destroy their history. They claim their language is not being recognized as one of the 11 official languages in the country and that even in the majority of schools it's not being taught. John Ruyen is with the Houten Khoisan community. The, the Khoisan people are being marginalized in South Africa. There is no constitutional recognition of the Khoisan as the first indigenous people of South Africa. 20 years down the line now, um, since the adoption of the constitution, not much has been done in terms of the promotion of the San, Khoi and Nama languages and the culture of the Khoi San people. Dr. Rakwe Namunareng from the Pan South African Language Board says much needs to be done to enhance indigenous languages. Most communities are not aware of their linguistic human rights. The few that are aware do not have basis, basic financial resources to initiate the processes that will protect their rights. They are not aware of institutions that could assist them to assert their linguistic human rights. The success rate of linguistic human rights complaint, particularly on indigenous languages, remains to be seen. Monareng has appealed to government to not only pay lip service to the implementation of language policies, but to actually walk the talk. On issue of language policies, they are there. 
in some of the municipalities, some of the governmental departments, but they are not implemented. And there is no follow-up to make sure that there's an element of enforcement. The other kind of indicators is, quite sadly, that even in our communication, you find that a bill will come out and it's never uh, translated in other languages. The Human Rights Commission will hold the final round of hearings in the Northern Cape by April before submitting its recommendations to Parliament. Amdita Basotezi in Johannesburg. So to repeat that question this morning, why do we not recognize the Khoisan as the first people of South Africa? And joining me then right now is Mr. John van Royen, chairperson of the Gauteng Khoisan Council. Thanks for coming through. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to SAFM listeners. Um, Thank you for the opportunity, and thank you very much. So, John, why this desire to be recognized as the first indigenous group in South Africa? Of what significance is that? It's not a desire, Sakina. Um, It is a right. It is the right thing to do because, um, as I've shown you as well, I've been on radios, on national radio stations uh, before this, and uh, we now be able, we now in a position to take it back, in terms of DNA, that then proves that the Koi and the San people, or let me rather say the San and then the Koi people, and in particular my own DNA. Um, I've done my DNA. I went, I did a test, and my DNA shows that I'm L zero, and L zero shows that we are we have the oldest lineage, um, not just in South Africa, but in the whole world. Uh, that dates back to 150,000 to 170,000 years. Now, if that is the case, then, I mean, it's not even an ambition. It's, not, it's something that we have to do because in South Africa, that has not been acknowledged. And uh, so, therefore, we are saying that we need to, because in the Constitution, it does not acknowledge the San and the Khoi people as the first indigenous people because, you see, there's, there's this thing of indigenous uh, and the definition of indigenous because they've been branded around and things. And the idea or the notion is that all Africans are indigenous. Yes, we don't have a problem with that. All Africans are indigenous to Africa. But when we come to South Africa, not all Africans are indigenous to South Africa. And the San and the Koi people are the first indigenous people of South Africa. And there we can't, we can't argue against that. So what is the nub of the matter? What do you actually want? Yeah, so we want that recognition. In, even in the preamble of the Constitution. And then once we have that, because then it acknowledges that we were the first, we are the first indigenous people of South Africa, and then it means the land then belongs to the Koinasan people, and it then means any, everything and anything on the land and below the land then belongs to the San and the Koi people, because uh, the mineral wealth, the minerals, etc., um, the theft, basically, I mean, the president spoke about land that has been stolen, etc. and things. But from whom? You know, we need to get back to that. Whom? Whose land was stolen? From whom was the land stolen? So we need to begin to look at that. We need to look at the mineral wealth or the wealth of the country, the diamonds, for argument's sake, that was stolen, basically, from our people, uh, the gold. Uh, and then it built Europe. It built the Americas. It built America is the... Um, the most prominent, most economic, viable country in the world, etc. And they were the most powerful country in the world. Where did all their, their wealth come from? Where did it, it came from here, from South Africa, you know? And it's our minerals, our land, and that's been stolen from us. If there's theft that has taken place, theft has taken place against us and from us. 
So they're stolen from us, the San Lakoi people. So what do you want to happen in 2016? Yeah. We have, um, we've marched to the Human Rights Commission and we've requested them, uh, we've, we've laid a complaint, etc. We, we, we submitted a memorandum and in the memorandum we requested uh, recognition of the San Lakoi people as the first people. We have then requested um, the issue around our languages, that our languages need to be recognized because, you see, if you take the Constitution, uh, the Constitution speaks. There's only one part in the Constitution, and that's in the preamble. Uh, I think it's uh, Section 6 that speaks about languages. And it says there that the languages of the San, the Khoi, and the Nama needs to be promoted uh, as well. 21 years down the line, not much has happened. Nothing has happened. If you listen to, to the, the, the recording that you have played, and uh, Dr. Monareng from Penn South, the Penn South African Language Board, he confirmed that, that nothing has been done in terms of the promotion of those languages. So we are saying 2016, if it's possible that um, Parliament can amend the Constitution to give recognition to the San Nakoi people as the first indigenous people of South Africa, we'll be happy with that. And then, obviously, then a whole range of other things will come, come to the fore. Issues of language, because if you reintroduce the languages in our schools and our children start speaking the San and the Khoi languages, then you'll find that the children then start begin to understand the culture, because language culture goes together. And so there's been cultural genocide, there's been uh, language genocide, uh, there's been genocide in terms of our land, properties, etc. So if that happens, then I think we're moving in the right direction. And what about the other languages, the Greek, the Korana and others? Because part of the issue here for me is trying to understand who exactly this group represents. Yeah. Um, initially, you see, when we say Khoi San, we're supposed to basically say San Khoi because the Khoi comes from the San. Uh, and then under the Khoi Khoi groups, you then have the groups called the Griqua, the Nama, Namakwa, um, Giriqua, Korakwa, Koranas, etc. But what we have done, what has happened in, uh, in 1997-98, Tata uh, Madiba, may soul rest in peace, um, called a few of the leadership because the Griquas went and they approached Tata Madiba. And they said to him, listen here, man, we have not participated in the Kodesa process as a group, you know, as the San and the Khoi people or as the first indigenous people. And therefore, there are some concerns amongst our people. So we are not being recognized. We're not part of traditional leaders. So what, what's going on, you know? And Tata said to them, listen, I've received some people as well here from other groups. Call themselves the Namas. They call themselves the San. They call themselves whatever. And so you guys go and you come together and um, you then tell us who you are, etc., etc. what's happening. So what then happened was they then went and they said um, they then agreed among themselves that there'll be five major groupings. And the five major groupings, it's the San, it's the Griqua, it's the Nama, it's the Korana, and it's what we call the Khoi Khoi or the Cape Khoi. They call it the Cape Khoi. And so those are the five groups. And that then came together. They came together as uh, the National Khoi and San Council. And since 1998, 97, 98, they've been then... Uh, operating as the National Coins and Council, and the uh, government has been liaising with them in terms of uh, various issues, you know. Uh, they're not recognized constitutionally. They're not recognized uh, as a legislative body, um, so they don't have all those rights. So government is basically bringing the National Coins and Council together uh, just to raise issues around what they call the National Traditional Affairs Bill, for argument's sake, um, issues around um, 
the claims, land claims uh, prior to 1913 and exceptions to the land policy, uh, and also um, in terms of indigenous knowledge systems, uh, etc., and things around your rooibos, honeybush, honey etc., those kinds of things. But government then only pays for transport and for um, conference fee, uh, venues, etc., and things. That's all. And then, they, But other than that, nothing, no, no stipends, they're not recognized, sort of, and things. So that uh, is the group, and they, those are the five main groups then within the Sun and the Khoi uh, people or the Khoi Sun. So what have been identified as some of the stumbling blocks to that recognition, at least at a traditional leader's level? Um, personally, I think there's the issue of, because if you go and you give recognition to the Sun and Koi, the first indigenous people, then obviously then all the other things that I spoke about will then come to the fore. And I think um, there are people uh, in South Africa who are not genuine, who are not honest about the true history of this country, uh, and also, and everybody knows that, people know it, um, who are the first uh, uh, first indigenous people of South Africa. But what they are doing is that they'd like to cling on to this kind of thing where they don't get, give recognition to the Sun and Koi because then you can come and bring the constitution and then people can be in power, people can own the land, um, you can have traditional affairs, you can give traditional leadership um, and not acknowledge the fact that the Sun and the Koi people are also there, they're supposed to be part of that. And uh, so, so, so those are the kind, I, th- I think it's greed, if you ask me, it's greed, it's um, the lies that has been told, the distortion of the history, etc. But it's all just to, to keep the Sun and Koi people quiet. Um, you've asked the question, are we marginalized? That is the greatest form of marginalization. Uh, because we have not been given that kind of recognition. One one part of the constitution speaks about the Koi, the San, and the Nama, and that is with regard to languages. 21 years down the line, nothing has happened in terms of promotion of the languages uh, of the Koi and the San people. Now, if that is the case, it's a constitutional obligation. It hasn't happened. Now, can you imagine something that is not even in the constitution, how will we de- get that kind of recognition? So therefore, uh, th- those are the challenges. Those are the issues. There's a reason why we are saying we are marginalized. Mm. Um, people will come here and talk about we also have the rights uh, in the Constitution, etc. Those rights, those basic human rights are there for everybody. Yes, we agree. But prior to that, you know, in the CODESA process, we were not part of the CODESA process. If you look at it, tra- traditional leaders were part of that. Um, the Zulu people and Guni people, groups and things, they were part of uh, drafting and crafting the constitution. And hence the reason why you find a national uh, house of traditional leaders. So they are covered, they are protected, and their rights are protected. Where's ours? Where's the Sun and the Koi people so, in so, that so process? So why did that happen though? Where, where were the Sun and the Koi people at that time? Yeah. Or is this something that you just belatedly woke up to? Yeah. No, not necessarily. I mean, we've been around, we've been there before. But what has happened when people were invited and the groups were invited to participate at Kodesa, what happened was they took the so-called colored parties and colored people, uh, like the Labour Party, for argument's sake, um, representing colored people sort of in the tricameral parliament, etc. They took um, people like, um, with all due respect to people like Trevor Manuel and then Paolo Jordan and them, and those are the people that were seen to be speaking on behalf of so-called of colored people, and basically people were then saying colored people represent probably the Koi and the San people or the Griquas or the Namas, etc. And that is essentially what has happened. It's uh, beyond after 1990 when we realized that even because we thought we, things were, we were covered in terms of the basic human rights 
in the constitutional in the constitution but then we realize that not much is happening because we've been labeled or classified as colored and yet we are not colored we are the first people the first indigenous people of south africa so where do colored people fit into this yeah um you know as i say to you that uh, we, we as a gauten coin sun council what we have said is when we when we looked at the coin sun people we said we we're moving from the premise of 4.6 million people uh, in terms of the last census uh, 2011 census, which which indicated there are 4.6 million people uh, classified as coloured, and we said all those 4.6 million people classified as coloured in the population register, those are the people that we are going to work for and we are going to fight for, sort of. But then we found that um, as we take along, that a whole lot of people uh, labelled as coloured or classified as coloured, then some of them indicated they are not Khoisan, they are coloured. Because, like for arguments, like you have Trevor Noah, who indicated that he knows where he comes from. Um, and he said that his father, I think, is Swiss or Swedish, and his mother is uh, either Zulu or Tswana, I don't know. But uh, th- he comes from there, and mm. therefore he knows. He comes, he's a colored or he's whatever and things, you know. He calls himself, he said, calls himself a colored. But the thing race. is, yes, but if he goes, that's the, in the last 100 to 200 years. But if he goes and he does a DNA test, I can tell you it might turn out to be different, you know. And uh, so those are the people. So there are some people who could be classified as colored. But what has happened here, Sakina, is that we have been forced. We have been this colored label and this colored identity has been forced upon us. Um, I mean, at some point, uh, uh, the cleric's wife indicated that um, we are vomit, you know, we are whatever things, we are nothing, you know, whatever set up and things. And those are the things that's colored, you know. And th- that has been the perception all the years that colored people comes from a mixture of either uh, an African or Bantu-speaking person and a white person, sort of, or Indian or vice versa, whether it's uh, wife and husband or whatever things, you know, and that is it. But we have now, DNA has proven now that the majority of people who are classified as colored in the population register are, in fact, when they do the DNA and things, they find that they are basically Khoi and San and they are the indigenous people, which goes back to about 150 to 170,000 years. Do you consider yourself black? Um, well, African, um, because I am from Africa, you know, and uh, there is this issue of black and white, etc. Mm. Things, but there's also the brown people, you know, and um, but I'm African, I'm a brown African, and uh, so there is this debate about there's black and white, so there's only black and white, you know, but we don't have to accept that because if we are the first indigenous people of the world and we are brown, then it means the first people of the world were brown. Because when did black come in and when did white come in? And who did that? So the colonialists came with us and they then d- uh, decided there's black and there's white. And, and that's been the issue. Part of the marginalization process is this thing of us being in between. Because if you look at me, I'm not pitch black and I am not um, lily white. Uh, so therefore, yeah, I am. I'm, what am I, you know, sort of and things. So therefore I am in between and that's part of the marginalization. That, uh, and people then changed it and said that because we are of mixed race, they called us mixed race, you know, mm. and it's not really so. because we, And that's so true because we are the first indigenous people. As uh, you can see from my DNA, I've, I've given you a copy of it there. It's, there. it's there, not a copy, but I've given you the original. It's there, you know, in front of you.
Yeah, and uh, we'll come back to this and um, lots of fascinating comments on uh, Twitter at this time. You can also SMS us on 34701 or you can call. Let's hear your views. 0891-104-208. But before that, let's go to the news with Kumbuzile Tabete. Yebosakina looking ahead in the 9 o'clock bulletin. Higher Education Minister Bladen Zimande will meet all university vice-chancellors in Kempton Park, east of Johannesburg this morning. But more on that story at 9 o'clock. Now here's a wrap of some of our top stories this morning. The Students' Representative Council at Wirtz University will engage in joint fundraising efforts together with the university in an attempt to assist over 6,000 indebted students at the institution. The city of Cape Town says it will investigate who's responsible for putting up a giant South African flag on a building in the CBD. Government's renewed efforts to restore investor confidence will be tested at the World Economic Forum getting underway in Davos, Switzerland today. And world-renowned U.S. filmmaker Spike Lee has joined a group of artists and actors in boycotting the upcoming Oscars ceremony. More news at 9 o'clock. Traffic on SAFM, your trusted guide to the road ahead. Uh, let's have a look at uh, Centurion. The uh, real heavy uh, delays going through towards Jean Avenue after this earlier crash have uh, cleared. The southbound collision at Trickard Road also cleared. So the N14 running better, but there are still delays uh, northbound, Pretoria bound going up to Eufius Road because of the traffic light outage and no points been in the rain this morning on that N14 Eufius. And Eufius from uh, Roger Dyson very heavily backlogged as well. Uh, N1 South still slow from uh, Rigel Avenue down to an earlier crash scene at uh, Buerta Avenue. Uh, uh, the N1, not too bad this morning through Midran, but it's it's busy coming from Samrand Road uh, down towards New Road. There's a lot of pressure on Allendale Road off the N1 through to the R55 uh, Kailami side this morning. Uh, Jan Smuts is heavy from Randburg into Craigall and then through Hyde Park Corner uh, down into Rosebank. Heavy pressure as well on Oxford Road from Rafira moving through Rosebank and uh, into that uh, Melrose area. All very uh, heavy traffic there. Uh, looks like a power outage maybe. Constantia Clough area. Uh, slow moving traffic on uh, sections of Christian Devet and uh, Jim Fouchier out that way. Uh, Mike 1 still slow from Boysons up into Parktown uh, up into Bramfontein at least and uh, two issues on the N12, a crash at Atlas Road holding up traffic coming in from Benoni and then from Craft Road into Galulis. it's heavy. The R24 slow from Barber Road onto the N12 into Galulis, and a truck crash on the N3 North at London Road still holding traffic up coming up from the uh, Elans Interchange in Germiston. Now uh, across into Durban, a collision on the N2 North uh, just around the Kormashu Highway exit. A heavy queue after Inunda Road as you work up to that and no traffic lights on Tollgate Bridge so the N3 inbound is slow from Spaghetti Junction and that's keeping the pressure on the N2 South coming down from uh, Umgena Road this morning as well. Uh, Cape Town still very slow on the N1 inbound from uh, Brackenfell through to Belleville, Monte Vista uh, from that point through to the elevated freeway and the other standout uh, for Cape Town traffic this morning is the M3 from uh, Constantia Main Road all the way through uh, towards Hospital Bend. It's, uh, it's quite heavily backed up. Rob Byrne, AM Live traffic watch coming up on morning talk with Rowena thank you Sakina good morning
Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. And if you've just joined us, we're talking about uh, the San Khoi people of South Africa. And these definitions are difficult because for the longest time, it's all been muddled, rolled into one, when we are not even talking about one group of people. These are different peoples. And I guess it speaks to uh, the recognition uh, that goes beyond just that of, um, you know, culture and language, because we haven't even taken the time to really look at who these peoples are. And we're speaking to John van Rooyen uh, this morning. He's the chairperson of the Gauteng Khoisan uh, Council. Many messages coming through. Some of them are really funny, I must say. But uh, I'll come to them uh, slightly later. Uh, the lines are open, 0891-104-208, if you have any questions in this regard. But I want to get back to the land question. So you say this land that was stolen, which actually now belongs to the first people, which is the group that you represent. What do you want to happen to that land, given back to you, and then what? Hmm. Yeah, um, so you know, just uh, I think we all talk about 1652. Uh, I mean, if you listen to politicians and you listen to the various political organizations, um, even the EFF talking about land that has been stolen from the indigenous people has to be given back to them. Uh, and then they talk about 1652 when Jan van Rivia came here. And uh, so then obviously, so uh, at that point in time, uh, the uh, Bantu-speaking people were already here, or the Nguni people, etc. And uh, so therefore, so then it makes sense, and everybody's pushing that uh, that particular agenda. But let's go back and see who were the first settlers that came here. Um, in fact, we are saying that uh, there's um, also a group that came from uh, northern Africa, from southwest, uh, from the southern point of Cameroon, that came down um, to southern Africa, and uh, it's basically the the Bantu-speaking spe- uh, people that came down. And then they mixed um, with some of the San and the Khoi people here, etc., in South Africa. But the first white settlers that came here, we have to go back in, to 1488. The first person that came here was Bartholomew Diaz. And uh, Diaz landed somewhere in Mossel Bay area, sort of thing. And um, Diaz was then chased away or whatever, it get, got back onto his ship and he ran away and he disappeared. By whom? If you go back and you look at um, the archives and, and the diaries of Diaz, you'll find that the first people that he got into contact with and came into contact with were the San and the Khoi people, the Khoisan people. And they are the ones that chased him away. So the first um, war of resistance against settlers uh, was the San and the Khoi people that fought that war. Which means then, if you go back, and um, so we then fought for, for what, what was that war about? It was about the land, because they wanted to come and occupy the land. They wanted to, to steal some of the resources, water. At that point in time, it was water and meat uh, that they wanted and things, because they were in trouble, you know. They were traveling for, for months and years uh, on sea. And they didn't have any fresh food, uh, water, etc. So they came here, and we are the first ones then that defended um, the land. So besides what they are saying, that the first people that they got into contact with was the San and the Khoi people, um, we are also then the first people that defended the land. So therefore, the land belongs to us. Now, if you go back and you look at DNA, DNA basically says that the whole world belongs to us. But I don't want to go into that now, because I know we're going to have... We'll talk about this for years. 
But the issue here is that um, in South Africa, let's limit it to South Africa. It then means that the whole of South Africa belongs to the Sandakoi people. But we are saying we are aware that there are quite a number of other groupings. There are other people here, uh, our children and our family. Because if the, you look at the Nguni people, the Zulu, the Kosa, the Sutu, Pedi, etc., they all come out of us, so they are our family, they are our children. Uh, the white people that are here, the Dutch, uh, the Afrikaners, uh, the English, everybody, they come out of us, so they are our children, you know. So we cannot now just chase all of them away and say, we're taking the land and get out of here and things. What we are saying is that give us the recognition, acknowledge us, and then let us talk about the land issue. Let's talk about it and let us engage. Um, the Department of uh, Land Reform and Rural Development, or Rural Development and Land Reform, are busy with a process where they're busy developing a policy called the Exceptions Policy, where the Sandakoi people could claim for land prior to 1913, uh, prior to the Land Natives Act coming into operation. So, therefore, so there are some of these things that are taking place. We are talking to government, and uh, we probably we think that at some point in time we'll probably be able to come to some kind of arrangement, etc. and things. We are not saying that if the Zulu king to, um, owns about a million hectares of land, which he, he got through the Ngoniyama Trust, um, which is not necessarily the Zulus, the land of the Zulus. It's basically our land and things. And uh, but we are not saying we're now going to take that away. We are saying let's talk about it. How best can we can we talk through this process? And how best can we come to an amicable uh, solution and arrangement with all and sundry so that we have a peaceful nation, a peaceful country. The flip side or the sad part of it, Sakina, is that whilst we are saying that, whilst we are talking, we are saying let us talk about it, let's engage, etc. Um, we don't see the other side. We don't see government. We don't see um, people that are uh, uh, in parliament sort of and things, uh, whether it's a DA, whether it's ANC, etc., EFF. We don't see them talking, taking this thing very serious and say, let us change the constitution and let us say that in principle the land belongs to these people and let us talk to these people and let us then say, how are we going to carve up the land and things, you know? Uh, which part can the Zulus get? Which part can the, uh, the Sutus get? Etc. and things. And then we can take it from there. Well, there are so many questions coming through. 0891-104-208. I tell you, John, get ready. People have tons of questions. But here's one from uh, Aubrey Machitke who asks, what percentage of a San Koi genetic material qualifies one to be San Koi? For instance, are there Kosa who may qualify? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, we do have uh, Kosa. I mean, as I said um, previously, that uh, may soul rest in peace, that Madiba's uh, DNA is L0D. So an East Kosa on the other side, and is also Khoisan. Um, so yes, he qualifies, sort of. And also Tutu, or the descendants of Tata Madiba and uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu, yes, they would qualify. What is happening um, in terms of when you do your DNA, then it gives you a result. And the result then indicates that you are a descendant or descend, you descend from the sun and the koi or the koi sun. If you do not descend, so you see this, this thing called L0, you've got L0 and then you've got the subclades, L0B, mm-hmm. L0A, etc. That is specific to koi and sun. If you L1, L2, L3, um, and then later on there's K and there's different stuff and things, um, then it indicates that you are from European descent. You are from 
Bantu descent, Bantu speaking descent sort of things. And that is how it then in, uh, indicates that. So we are saying that uh, it doesn't matter the percentages, but if, there, if the DNA then comes forward and it then says this is L0, this is L1. So the bottom line is all L0s would then be Sun and Koi or Koi Sun descendants and things. Interesting. And we'll take a picture of this and we'll post it on Twitter. Um, it's John van Royen's um, uh, DNA ancestry testing. And this is done by University of the Western Cape um, yeah. and also the Forensic DNA Lab. And it says this is to certify that John van Royen has participated in the Forensic DNA Laboratory's mitochondrial DNA study focus, uh, focusing on indigenous lineages. And the study revealed that uh, your sample, and it gives the number, belongs to haplogroup LO, um, speaking to uh, you, what you've just explained with the DNA markers and what they mean. Mean. And then it goes on to say haplogroup LO is the oldest lineage of humankind in present um, and it is present in Africa. The haplogroup is most prevalent in the Khoisan population who are commonly found in South and East Africa. And this haplogroup is estimated to have originated approximately 150,000 to 170,000 years ago. OK, let's park that there for the moment and take some calls. Oh, wait, nine one one. 04208. Mike in Durban, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Um, this is the, such an interesting topic that John and well done to him and his research. Thank you, that's Mike. That's number one. There's a lot of people that's going to be very intimidated by this conversation, but this needs to be promoted. He's correct. The brown people must be identified as the original people of this world. And that must be. The other thing, this affects, you know, the BE, the triple BE scorecard, because a lot of the things that we apply for, they only give to blacks as being the indigenous people of South Africa, and we, the colors, on our sideline. And this now has a total new dimension. And my other point, uh, John, your guys must go to the Constitutional Court with this, because you have to get this. This is a game changer, and you're going to get support from all sectors of the world. So well done to you and I wish you all the best in this, John. Push for that. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Let's hear from uh, Cyril in Coxstad. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Shakina, at last. Uh, I just want to bring three or four points in here. Uh, The colored issue can come in there. That colored issue came in in the party days with the Population Act where people are to send in their IDs and the whole government look at your appearance, if you're a straight nose or fair, then they classify you. A lot of a lot of uh, Greek people are classified whites and so on. That's the colored issue. On the other hand, of uh, the Khoisan people and what Van Royen said about approaching Lake Mandela and so on, uh, there can come in that uh, there was an agency that came in and under the leadership of Professor Jati, Camp, uh, and they done a survey right through South Africa uh, to see the strength of the Khoisan people and those five groups uh, being identified as predominant. Uh, on the other hand, the last two factors. One of the importance here is that we must appreciate what our new government is doing for us, that the old apartheid government take away our land. The new government says, here's your chance, clean back what belongs to you. Now, uh, under the, the minister in Kukri and Quinty, under his ministry, he came up then and called uh, Kimberley 1, Kimberley 2 for the Khoisan people to come forward 
and they must come forward with policies for the exception of the 1913 cutoff date as far as land claim is concerned. Now that is the problem I have, that we have. Those processes were a bit flawed. In my opinion, a thousand people came to, uh, went to uh, Kimberley One. Now how were those thousand people identified? What criteria was used? That's my problem. Then it came to Kimberley Two. Uh, let me just finish with Kimberley One. Kimberley One, we were called to come up with policies to this exception. And now, the main thing here is the 19 cutoff date in the Constitution of South Africa. How far will we push it back? You see? Because that can, can cause a lot of implications and a lot of headache for the government themselves. Because now it will come up to say that if the land belongs to the sand, who then descend from the sand? Van Ryan touched on, on that already, and nobody else will then will come with stories. So in my opinion, it will be that, then the DNA test. Now, that DNA test, you'll find whites, Indians, blacks, and so on, will descend for the, from the sand. So where are we going? Okay. So that's one issue, right? So now let's get to Kimberley 2. In Kimberley 2, uh, something happened there that did not go uh, according to plan. Uh, we were dictated by uh, the person, uh, Mr. Vertboy, and there was more a cultural scene of and dancing instead of concentrating on the policies. It took so much time on that we couldn't put our, our inputs, give our inputs in a democratic way. Uh, so that's one of the flawed. So what has happened here, uh, eventually uh, uh, 45 people, which uh, was uh, called NAREC, and uh, they went... The, the minister said that every province must uh, elect their own five people to come up with these policies. From the 45 in South Africa, there was a working group that was chosen by the Khoisan people to formulate these policies. Uh, that working group went to go and suggest the current legislature. Now you must hear me public, uh, uh, Sakina. Can you imagine you are given a chance to formulate your policies, and then you choose the current legislature. Let's get to the current legislature. The current legislature marginalizes the Khoisan people because the Khoisan people lost most of their land prior to 1913. The, the constitution, the South African constitution, is also marginalizing the Khoisan. So the minister cannot talk about coming up with policies prior to 1913 if the constitution of South Africa is not amended. Now, that amended costs nothing. We are now by elections. The ANC is in the government. The ANC is ruling. The ANC is the majority. They got a majority vote in parliament. So it is easy as eating pie for the ANC to amend that. Theory and opposition parties can jump up and down. They can, they can come together. But the ANC got it in their hands. And our president, Jacob Zuma, at the uh, actual stadium in Durban two years ago, said, and he mentioned this cut-off date, so it is the cut-off date that we have a problem. The constitution in South Africa must be amended, as simple as that. Now, okay. if that is not, now, now the, the, the restitution that was amended, uh, as you know, but the, the, the cut-off date is still there in the amendment of the constitution. Now, you tell me who's fully moved. Right. I'm sure it doesn't 
It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. And in the meantime, the amendment of the act, people are claiming land because there are other uh, 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 legislation like the land and tenure and things like that, redistribution. So other people are claiming the land that could belong to the Khoisan people. Now, what will happen then when uh, uh, this thing must be amended, the Constitution, and the other people have already paint? How are you going to get those people off? Let's not play games here. Thank you, Cyril and Coxstad. Kolani, uh, you're in Mtata. Hi, hi, Sakim. I think um, we can look at this in different ways. My, take, for instance, my great-grandfather, I don't know his who's from the eastern Pondoland. He must be now called the Pondo Crescent because he had... Uh, his bloodline along along those lines uh, that had to do with Khoisan. However, my point here is that we, I don't think it is uh, fair to say because of writings that were found on stones determines someone to be the first. Anybody can climb Kilimanjaro and put a flag, but it doesn't mean that the person who put the flag first was the first to be there. Safat is the first person we know to put the flag. So I think we need to get to a stage where we know, like South Africa made a big mistake to have blacks called African Indian colored, and then you associate that as blacks, which means coloreds are not African enough, Indians are not African enough, whites are not African enough. We need to find a way when we say all South Africans are South Africans by virtue of your citizenship, and we take it from there. Thank you, Kolani. Let's go to Cape Town. Good morning, Philip. Hi, Sakina and the listeners. Uh, Sakina, quickly, having been given an opportunity by EFF to work with the community of Namakoi municipality, I found the conditions under which the people are living in quite appalling. And I, I concur with the gentleman in your studio. To me, if you go to Namakoi municipality, each and every road in the townships is full of potholes, it's just dead. And uh, whilst on the other hand, we have got uh, that area is a mining community area. Uh, some mines have been closed down, and uh, then uh, the towns have become uh, dead cities, and uh, uh, harboring criminals and all that stuff. So it tells me that the government has actually then ignored the plight of these people uh, to a greater extent of extinction. The poverty in Namahoy is quite appalling again. And uh, you cannot actually say that these are the first people to bite the bullet of a white man uh, uh, right from 1652 when Jan van Rappi came there. I think it's very wrong and horribly wrong and incorrect. Because these people, we ought to be respecting them. We ought to be giving them their rightful place. The gentleman is correct, even President Mandela, even by his outlook. President Mandela, it was found and conquered even by himself that he does have some uh, uh, genotypes of uh, 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 these people. But where do they fit in in the whole equation of the country in terms of recognition, etc.? I think it's very wrong. I agree with the gentleman 100% there. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much, Uh, Philip. Let me read some messages here. Charles says, give them the necessary recognition. My concern is the claims that will follow land, minerals, etc., because that seems to be the hidden agenda. Not so hidden, Charles, because John has been saying it. It has been said for quite some time. Cedric says, 
what is the population size of the Khoi San? Uh, Stephen Durbin's SMS reads, I agree that Khoi and San were the first people. How many were there? South Africa is a big country and they didn't live in every bit of South Africa. Don't believe they can claim mineral rights, etc. They were not miners and didn't even know the minerals that were there. Nick and Hilton, uh, the government want uh, to recognize original tribes because black tribes stole the land from the Khoi San and blacks claim that they were the first here and so on. Alistair says, is the gentleman a descendant of the son? Um, Mageba from Pretoria, his name is Van Royen. When will he start to promote Khoisan names and change uh, the from the Afrikaner identity? Kosi uh, Matkaitula says, uh, who wrote the narrative that your guest is on about? He must get hidden colors, one, two, three, um, a history of African peoples written by Afri- Africans, not by the hunters. Uh, Pelele in Kofimbaba in the Eastern Cape says, I think Khoisans are very few and that is why they are given less recognition and that's, um, that is entirely true. They need to be recognized. This one, uh, I have a few unsigned ones that I'm going to run through. This one says, I still do not believe that everybody originated from South Africa and that Khoisan were the first peoples in South Africa. They are part of the world propaganda and conspiracy. Another one, great aspect uh, to me of brown community is that they have the courage to be with their own, uh, to be their own person, to say it as it is and make an authentic, not scripted contribution. This one says, until you call yourself Africans like us, you are not going to make it in this country. Whoa. And then another one. Uh, do you also have claims over Lesotho, Botswana, Namibia and Mozambique? Uh, this one says the Khois and the Sun were part of the tricameral parliament during the apartheid rule in the form of colors. Why didn't they contest it then, John? And Pops and Grunts that says, Sakina, it is a distorted history that the Khoisan are the first people in South Africa. Colonizers distorted and wrote history to favor the um, in dignity or indignity of the Khoisan and <clears throat> as against other black groups because of their small numbers. They taught that they they thought they wouldn't be around now and no black group would claim to be the first in South Africa and this is why they distorted that and distorted that blacks came from the Great Lakes regions. That's what Pops and Kronstadt says. So we don't have much time, but maybe you can <laughs> respond to a few of those. Uh, yeah, I think maybe the calls, I think, um, because I think it's just fair uh, to look at that. Thank you, uh, Sakina. The, um, I think just on uh, Mike, Mike spoke about uh, BEE, uh, etc. And um, so basically, uh, yes, that's part of what uh, and San people and the descendants of the Khoi San are saying, that we are being marginalized uh, in terms of broad-based black economic empowerment, uh, even in the job sector and things. When people go in there, uh, so-called colored people or descendants of the Khoi San, then they are being told that you are not black-black, you know, you're not black enough, um, you know, and people say to them, you know what we mean, you know, uh, etc. and things. And uh, so they are, there's that kind of thing. And we are saying, yes, if you get the recognition, we'll be able to sort out some of these issues. Um, Cyril, yes, he made some good points there. I think it's just co- it's comment, uh, but he raised the issue of how far back do we go. Uh, n- normally, ordinary, ordinarily, what we are saying, what people are saying now is 1652, um, and that there's an agenda there in terms of 1652. I've just demonstrated to you uh, 1488 already. Uh, that happened, and long before that, uh, we had all these wars of resistance. Uh, but then it ties in, let me just look at the uh, person that said... Um, 
the why do you look at rock paintings and whatever things and then claim that you are the first because someone uh, did a, uh, made a picture there. It's not us that is saying that. Uh, you know, what is happening is that uh, that's also, I think, uh, a bit skewed or distorted in the sense that rock art is the only thing that is basically saying at the moment, not the only, one of the things. It's rock art. It is um, DNA. It is the paleontologists are saying all the finds that, uh, that they have in terms of fossil finds, etc. and things. They are now proving that the San Nukoi people are the first people, uh, etc. And they're, why do, don't you want to take that? And why don't you want to accept that? What we rather accept, how, how is history being written at the moment and things? It's oral, you know. It's been from one generation to uh, the other generation. That goes into textbook. That goes into whatever. And then we accept that. But we don't want to accept something that is there. It's drawn uh, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years already. And it hasn't diminished, you know. So what, why don't we accept that? Um, I think Philip uh, indicated that, uh, yes, we are being marginalized, etc., and the appalling conditions that's there. Yes, uh, surely there's a problem with regard to that. Uh, in terms of uh, when are we promoting surnames, etc., and things, we are saying we're going to, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of probably changing my surname from Van Rooyen to Kung Koya. Um, that Why is, uh, Kung Koya? Yeah, because I'm, my DNA shows I'm from the Kung. Uh, there's a son, and in Koya, it is uh, an Indian indigenous group where my father comes from, sort of, and things, and that's Kunkoya. And that is what I'm saying. So I'm going back to my roots, and that's probably what we have. I think it's very interesting that, uh, you know, we're still walking around with a slave master's uh, surname, etc., and things. So all these Van Ruins and Oppermans and those kinds of things, it's basically um, when the white settlers came here, they turned our people into slaves, and our people had to take on those kinds of um, uh, those surnames. Uh, I think maybe I can't go through all of them, but I think uh, issue around how many people are there, San and the Koi people, how many are there? We, as I said before, we're moving from the premise of 4.6 million so-called colored people that has been registered in the population register of South Africa. And they are basic, and we're saying we, we're looking at that. If some of them say they are not Koi San, then that's fine. But uh, studies have shown that uh, more than 80%, 90% of colored people are basically descendants of the Koi and the San. And then DNA doesn't lie. So people can say whatever they want to because I think that's also distorted because people move from their perception, their kind of things, their ideologies, uh, but they don't let them go and do their DNA and then let's talk about it. Thank well, you, that unfortunately is all we have time for. But uh, yeah, I see a debate in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, John van Royen. And um, he is the chairperson of the Gauteng Khoisan Council. And thanks to everybody else who participated this morning and the production team as well. See you tomorrow. Thank you, Sukina. And Just thank you to the listeners. After okay. nine, Kumbuzile Tabete, here's the latest news.